Hello and welcome to SimCast, the higher education simulation podcast. My name is Lawrence Hill and I'm the chair of the simulation group in the School of Health Sciences at UEA Norwich. Hello everyone, my name is Tony Jeremy and I'm the academic lead for simulation-based education here at UEA Norwich. Very warm welcome to this special edition of SimCast, episode number six of our online component of our simulation instructors course. These videos are intended to equip learners with all of the necessary theoretical underpinnings to come and do our one day in-person simulation course here at UEA Norwich. To get the most out of this course, you really are going to have to come and participate in that one-day course. And if you are interested in doing that, please do get in touch with us, drop us a comment, uh, and we'll hopefully see you on one of those courses and soon. We, and we've got a special announcement at the end of this episode. Yes. So stay tuned, and uh, we'll, we'll give that announcement at the end. Yeah, we, uh, we will indeed. And th this episode in particular, and we're really excited about this one mm. and have probably worried more about this one than any <laughs> other one we've done. Um, and this one is, is on simulation debriefing. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a like. Equally so, if you don't like the episode, give us a dislike, but let us know in the comments below why, because we're always keen to improve. To stay up to date with all things simulation, please hit the subscribe button and don't forget to check that notification bell. Um, so by the end of this video, you should be able to achieve the following learning outcomes. Uh, you should be able to outline the basic structure and function of a debrief. You should be able to differentiate between debrief and feedback, and you should be able to discuss various debriefing techniques. Okay, Lawrence, so debriefing. Mm. Um, I think the first thing we need to probably uncover is what do we mean by debriefing? Well, what do we mean by debriefing? Well, what does the literature say? So debriefing is essentially a facilitated discussion. It is a, uh, an opportunity for learners and facilitators to come together as a group mm -hmm. and to um, reflect on the action phase of simulation that has just taken place. And generally speaking, this happens immediately after the simulation event itself or the, the action phase, as you say, and then you go into a period of debriefing a conversation around the events that's, that have just happened. Yeah, exactly that. So in, in our previous episode, in special episode five, we talked about the phrases that precede the debrief, mm -hmm. the briefing, the simulation phase or the action phase, and then we deliberately stopped before the debrief. So the, the, in terms of what the literature says about debrief, there's, there's lots of different ways that you can go about doing it. There's lots of different models available. Um, there's masses of papers. Some of them are better than others. Uh, and we're just hoping in this episode to give a kind of overarching view of it and to think about some of the do's and maybe the do nots of what a debrief yeah. is. And, and generally speaking, there are kind of, whilst there are lots of different models available and they're particularly useful for novice simulation mm -hmm. facilitators and instructors, I think if you become a little bit more experienced, you might develop your own approach to debriefing mm -hmm. but generally speaking a good debrief has kind of a the same kind of approach depending on what model you're using yeah exactly that they have the similar kind of components there's always uh, at the beginning of a debrief an opportunity to kind of deal with any big feelings and kind of emotional reactions to the simulation mm -hmm. that's taken place and there ought to be some kind of review component of what the intended learning outcomes of the simulation are yeah um, so a kind of a recap yeah a recap yeah yeah, like a kind of establishing, you know, a, a history of what occurred. Yeah. And then normally there's uh, some kind of analytical phase where we go from taking raw experience and translating it into some kind of abstract conceptualization. Unpacking uh, things, trying to make sense of what happened. <clears throat> 
that kind of thing. Yeah, what what does what does it all mean? What we've done uh, essentially in that analysis phase, and then the kind of the third phase is really about lessons learned, and yeah. you know how do we take what we've learned from this simulation and apply it in the real world in, out there in in clinical or in our practices practitioners, whatever it is we do. So when debriefing uh, in terms of the event itself, that happens after the simulation event. But as a simulation instructor, when are you thinking about debriefing? Yeah, right. So you're thinking about debrief right from the briefing. Okay. So I, I think personally, because you, you, you know what the intended learning outcomes are, and that hopefully is what's going to drive the simulation but you're continuously juggling, aren't you? you? You're thinking throughout the course of the action phase. Oh, that's a that's interesting. Mm. That's an interesting point. I need to try and uh, make a mental note or make a make a physical it's, note. And it's of that. challenging, isn't it? Yeah. Because you might again, depending on the, the the faculty roles that you might be playing or other people might be playing. If you're lucky and you're just debriefing, you can completely concentrate on on what's happening. If you're trying to facilitate a debrief with technical components as well, you might be trying to get machines to do certain things, trying yeah. to allow the, the, the simulation event to unfold the way it should do, and making that mental note or writing something down, mm -hmm. I need to come back to that in the debrief for whatever yeah, reason. Definitely. And and then depending on how long the simulation is and the things that happen in it, there's also an element of prioritization. Mm. You know, like how many of these these unexpected kind of phenomena that have occurred during the simulation do I want to pick up? And in what order do I want yeah. to do I want to do them? Have you ever been in a situation where you've thought oh that's something really important that i need to tackle in a debrief and then it never gets discussed and talked about oh god yeah and you've got to be kind to yourself right yeah and i think yeah, and i yeah. think that's the other thing we should say about debriefing in general is that it's a, it's actually quite a kind of advanced communication skill it is, and, and, and it and you have to be really kind to yourself because you will uh, and i have many times fallen into you know poor debriefing practice and it's it's a skill that needs to be developed it's not it's not rocket science it's not mm. it's but it is something of an art form uh, and i think it needs to be honed and developed and and using debriefing models and to try and avoid sort of becoming that person who gives feedback and not debrief is actually yeah. really important. And yeah. um, we'll, we'll come back to that in a moment, the importance between debrief and feedback. Mm. So I guess you need to be quite fluid with things. You need to allow the conversation to develop and expand and you need to be comfortable with things maybe going off on a tangent a little bit, but then being able to steer it back again. Or again, these advanced communication skills yeah. that you're talking about. You don't want to rigidly stick to what it is that you want to talk about because ultimately the learners are going to begin that debrief, hopefully with their reactions about what's important to them. And, you know, simulation is a really heavily learner-centric mm. pedagogical tool. And if we, you know just stick to those intended outcomes and continuously try to drive our agenda, we lose some of the power of simulation. Mm -hmm. So any practical tips for starting a debrief? Well, I I always like to start with um, hearing everyone's voice. Okay. I think, you know, as I sort of started by saying, we want need to try and create this kind of community of learning in that debrief. So for me, it's I want to hear what everyone's got to say. Okay, um, And we'll, we'll, we'll maybe come back to that when we, when yeah. we talk through, you know, that process of debriefing. But we've mentioned feedback and we've mentioned debrief. So I think it's important we try and differentiate them. So what do you, what for you is the difference between feedback and debrief? I think feedback is the method of giving 
a description of performance and uh, and whether you've achieved something that a lot of people in clinical practice and education are used to. Mm-hmm. It tends to be a one-way process. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the uh, the master and the apprentice mm-hmm. approach, and it tends to be the master uh, analyzing the uh, the apprentice's approach to whatever's been delivered. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, debriefing mm-hmm. is more about trying to facilitate a reflective conversation and trying to, within reason, because it will always be there, but to try and flatten that hierarchy a little bit. Uh, and actually as a as the master, if you like, as the simulation instructor to <laughs> The master of simulation. <laughs> which sounds terrible. Yeah. But you know, you know, if you've got if you've got the, the facilitator curator, the and the learner. Yeah, 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 you're curating yeah. rather than leading what can be uh with feedback often positive, negative, or sometimes neutral. Mm-hmm. What about yourself? Yeah, I, I think that debrief essentially is an invitation to have mm. a facilitated discussion, a reflective discussion, uh, and it's intended to drive independent learning and critical thinking. Which are those kind of graduate skills we want from our learners in higher education, aren't they? Exactly that. Whereas, as you quite rightly say, feedback is a kind of tutor-led evaluation. It's, it's essentially uh, an evaluation against kind of prescribed or defined standards mm. or criteria. And, and it'll be the thing that a lot of people, if they've perhaps learn things in clinical practice that will be the default go-to but for a couple of reasons and i think one of the the main reasons is time Mm -hmm. it's easier to give feedback quite quickly Mm -hmm. but it can be pretty brutal can't it okay yeah and 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 it is it's important to say that feedback is is a useful tool for improving quality by directing people to what they might need to learn or to to know so it, it is so Debrief is, is probably a more indirect way of achieving learning outcomes than feedback is. And as you say, for that reason, it makes feedback so much more time efficient, but not necessarily as profound as a, as a learning experience. And <clears throat> debrief as well, because it is um, hopefully more non judgmental than what perhaps feedback would be, mm-hmm. it helps to strengthen that notion and idea of psychological safety which we've we've talked about previously you know we've we've just put the learners through uh, an event where the spotlight is on them as an individual mm-hmm. and now we're having to kind of analyze that performance so we need to do that in an environment which is as inviting as possible for the yeah. learners to maybe pick apart bits which didn't go to plan mm-hmm. uh, that that obviously need to be addressed but to do so in a, in a in a constructive way. Yeah. And that that's that's part of the challenge, isn't it? And the one of the things that we, you know, we would advocate for debrief is that it should primarily be the learner group talking mm. to each other preferably, mm-hmm. uh, but also as a kind of a back and forth between facilitator and student or and that, learner. And depending on the type of learner you've got in front of you, that might be challenging. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we use our examples of pre-registration learners, the way that you approach that kind of conversation to year one learners who maybe haven't been on the clinical placement yet, haven't got that concrete experience, is going to be completely different to how you approach it with with year three learners who have got a couple of years experience under their belt, both in terms of simulation, but also real world experience that they could then Mm. lean on to in that reflective conversation. Yeah, definitely. And that level of experience of those learners is is really important for them having that context. But also, um, as 
you know, learners and then practitioners and then eventually experts become more familiar with their field, they are, it's much easier for them to begin to recognize where the gaps in their knowledge might be. Mm. So they can be kind of, you know, guided towards making that realization rather than being told, you know, you know, like a, a more junior individual, more, you know, an early year student or perhaps a junior professional might need to be kind of more directed towards actually that was missing. Mm. Um, so yeah, you have to you have to sort of weigh up um, the kind of approach to to unpacking the simulation. So if we use our experience of, of of kind of some of the things that we've seen, I think particularly for a junior simulation instructor, there is a tendency because you feel that you need to kind of review what's happened in the simulation event to default to feedback. And so what we're saying is, we're not saying feedback isn't useful, no. but we're saying a, a, a reflective conversation through a structured debrief is probably going to get the best out of your learners for the kind of simulation that we, we would be doing in higher education. Yes, particularly if, you know, if we think about sort of skills and simulation on the spectrum, you know, from sort of parts, you know, like individual skills to sort of part tasks to fully immersive kind of simulations there's almost like a kind of, for me, like a sliding scale of like actually towards the full scale simulation. Mm. This is, this absolutely categorically has to be debrief because it's going to be complex and messy yep. and there's opportunity for differences of opinion. And the, the further we get back towards base theory or skills in isolation is there is probably more likely to be a right and a wrong way of doing it. Yeah. You know, you know, maintaining a, a aseptic non-touch technique is kind of a bit more, you know, black and white, frankly, mm. than, you know, conducting a kind of complex situation where you have to do consent. And so and that, needs, that needs consideration when you're planning simulation. Yep. And we'll, you know, we've got a previous video to that, which we'll link up here. Hey, nice. So, uh, so yeah, so, so we you know, we're kind of probably showing our cards a little bit as simulation educators that, you know, feedback is something that in simulation we would rather not see. Um, but it has a place and it yeah. is absolutely useful. And it is, you know, it, it's the backbone of, of, you know, of, kind of higher education practice in a lot of ways in conventional practice you get feedback on essays you tend not mm. to have an essay debrief mm. so it's no wonder that higher education educators in particular are comfortable with feedback uh, and we just have to kind of retrain and redirect people a little bit to be more comfortable with being as many people are frankly uh kind of more discursive about what happened okay so let's talk about the practicalities of of mm. a simulation instructor curating that debrief mm -hmm. facilitating that conversation mm -hmm. so for me we've, we've talked already about the fact that you're, you're going to be gathering data during the simulation event itself obviously if you've got really good learning outcomes some of that work is done for you but you're gonna that because every simulation event is unique you're going to be picking up things as as, as, as you go along mm -hmm. there's also some other practicalities i think so we would advocate, if you can, debriefing away from the simulation event to yeah. clearly differentiate between the simulation event and the debrief space, uh, the, 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 the debrief element of the simulation event. Yeah, to, to separate those things out spatially so that there's a clear distinction between that was happening then and now we're talking about it over here now. So in an ideal situation, you'd have a separate room like mm -hmm. a debrief space uh, in a... Uh, you know where that's not possible? Yeah. I just I just set up a little circle of chairs. Yeah. Moving away. And, you know, I make it clearly different. And, you know, and, and I think that helps. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that helps. Too. There's also some practicalities involved in terms of you might have to reset the room. 
So what can happen is you start debriefing as you're clearing away. Less that's less than ideal, but mm. it, it, you know it's real world. It happens from time to time. Yeah. So again, when you're planning simulation, if you've got enough faculty, that might mean that someone can start clearing up while someone else leads starts leading the debrief. Yeah. But when when we're planning for the debrief to start mm -hmm. as a simulation instructor, it doesn't always go like that, does it? Because as learners, what happens in your experience? When you say, okay, simulation's over, let's move. Immediately people start talking about the simulation. Yeah. It, of course they do. They oh, I should have done this, I should have done that. Or, you know, oh, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Or, you know, and... Well, that was terrible. Yeah, you know, yeah, you get yeah, those yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. things. God. You? <laughs> but you, you, do, you do get those reactions straight away. And um, I think that it's tough, isn't it? You don't want to try and constrain people. You don't want to try and say to them, look, can you stop talking? Because uh, we need to debrief this, but that's actually why having a separate space so you can you can kind of interject and go, okay, everyone, let's that's just a move really interesting thought. To, uh, Could you just hold that yeah. a second until everyone else can hear what you're going to say? Yeah, because actually, that's gold. That initial reaction is absolute dynamite yeah. in terms of impact on learning. Because from those initial reactions, and we're kind of transitioning here into the sort of debrief model. Um, those initial reactions are so important to to establish how learners are feeling yeah 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 um what do you do at the beginning of a of a debrief once so, you've once you've moved from the simulation space <clears throat> to the debrief room how do you open that debrief so it, it it depends really in the simulations that i run there's often someone a learner who's kind of led the simulation one way or another they might have been the first person to begin the simulation they might have had some support staff but they'll often be kind of a who wants to go who wants to run this simulation if you mm. like so i always try to start with that individual because the the biggest onus has been on th those and and so i would start off by saying in one word try and sum up what that simulation event was for you mm. and there is a particular reason i do that because and we've mentioned this before people automatically go into that self-analysis mode and we need that whilst the analysis is important we need to do the kind of the review phase first um, and of course the learners don't understand that or appreciate that. Yep, not necessarily. And if you just say, how was that, you know, how did that go for you? They will automatically go into analysis mode. If you say in one word, try and sum it up, they have to think about it. And often the one word is an emotion or yeah. it is a, a, yeah, just a very abbreviated it's recap. A feel, of isn't how, it? A, a feel yeah. of, of how that went. I, yeah. I, I, I think there's real value in that. It's actually really difficult. Um, to do like if you say that to learners and I, and I would but again those words that they say capture them yeah because they're powerful yeah they're really really powerful yeah exactly so this so you start with the the kind of key protagonist of the simulation and then and then presumably you get the the, the feel of the rest of the group. yeah i mean again it depends if i'm debriefing 200 people i'm not mm, gonna, yeah. which is challenging in itself but if there's you know if i've got a nice manageable group of four or five and go around the room. It'll be an opening gambit for those individuals, mm. and then they sense something, and they're more likely to contribute to the to the conversation later on. If you get knee deep in the analysis phase, and then you go, "Oh, by the way, so and so, I haven't heard from you yet." Yeah, give us your. Well, it's thoughts. much harder to get involved then, yeah. isn't it? Because because it's someone it's someone else's conversation then. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's great. So I, I do something similar. I, I tend to go with you know one or two words, you know, for that exact same reason. Um, and then you kind of make a note as you go around, right, so, so, so Tony, what was your initial reaction to that simulation? Mm. 
uh, you know, like disaster. Oh, oh, okay, we'll, we'll make a note of disaster. We'll that. We're going to come we'll, back we'll to that. We'll definitely come back to that. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, you know, someone else would be like, you know, like organized, calm, interesting. That's really interesting. Mm. Great. Oh, thank you for that observation. Um, and then incorporating those into the, into the kind of the analysis phase is, is really, is really helpful because then Good. people feel yeah. included, right? Yeah. Um, the and other thing to review Sorry, were you going to say something no, else on reactions? I was, I was going to literally say the same thing as you then. It's so the learning outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we, we've, we've driven this whole Great simulation marks. forward. <laughs> bit, bit, well, there's another, there's a second part of that phrase. Um, the, the, so, yeah, the learning outcomes, yeah. you know, it, it re, re-establishing what those learning outcomes, what were the intended learning outcomes were. And, and, and ideally that's going to steer the conversation in terms of how, what you wanted to do with a debrief. It, mm. Depending on what happened in the simulation event, it, you know, again, as a, simulation instructor you might have to sort of think about whether you do address those learning outcomes or you address something unique that happened in that Mm. simulation event but it's always a good place to start Mm. recap the learning outcomes and then you know that might be some of the core topics that you discuss later on in the analysis phase yeah and and i think depending on the feel like depending on how if something happens and it doesn't relate to the intended learning outcomes but it's a really big red angry thing that needs Mm. to be talked about I'm prioritizing that uh, in the analysis phase of the debrief. As we transition from the review into the analysis, I'm going to be saying, okay, that was that was clearly a thing. Yeah. Talk to me more about that. Whereas if actually it's gone roughly as imagined, then I'll be that my my normal kind of opening gambit is, okay, so these were the intended learning outcomes. To what extent yeah. and in what ways? have we met these yeah. outcomes and we, we do differ a little bit with this don't we because i would probably if i had time i might put more of an emphasis on the review phase yeah. and i tend to review like a timeline of events or reviewing the facts as it were yeah so and again you do you don't have to do it but it helps to establish a shared mon- mental model mm. of what happened and and this is sometimes where you get input from the observer learners who weren't actively participating and they offer mm. interesting insights particularly when it's things like uh, situational awareness that might have been compromised and, and things like that. Yeah, you know, that's perhaps particularly important where it uh, it has maybe gone slightly off-piste as well. Yeah, or if things are time critical. Yeah, no, fair enough. No, that's that's a good point. So after we, so, so that initial opening gamut, so we move from review into analysis. And this is, this is the part where, you know, we're taking that concrete experience mm. Uh, into kind of, you know, in Kolb's experiential learning cycle into reflective observation and abstract conceptualization. So, you know, what does this experience mean in the context of the learning outcomes? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, yeah. So how, how do you, how do you facilitate that analysis phase? Yeah. An interesting question. I think it's dynamic. So it depends on the conversation that's naturally happening. Sometimes it just naturally starts to flow into analysis. And mm. and again, learners are, are, are more likely to start with that. So mm. you have to kind of force that initial review phase, but they will just kind of drag themselves into that auto-analysis. Yeah. I think the important thing is you try and keep it non-judgmental and, mm. and, and uh, a supportive and encouragement conversation. Yeah. Which can be challenging if, if you know, the simulation event hasn't gone to plan or there have been critical things that need to be unpacked. Mm. But again, if you've got good learning outcomes, you can always default back to that. I yeah. would, where possible, just allow the discussion to unfold mm-hmm. whilst also being conscious of any time frame I might have. If it starts to 
go off on tangents, which it can do, um, or if it starts to be self-deprecating to the extent where it's no longer beneficial, mm-hmm. I'll start to sort of recap the conversation that's happened. Yeah, uh, It sounds like you've had a really, you know, it sounds like some really interesting conversation about X, Y, and Z. That's great. Thank you for your contributions. I just want to steer us back towards yeah. the the learning outcome we of uh, you know how to manage this this scenario or demonstrating effective leadership whatever the outcome is can we just talk a little bit about that off you go yeah back over to you and, yeah. and I think that's key isn't it um, we have to decide as I sort of alluded to earlier you know what we think are the priorities that need to be discussed mm. but ideally we want to be speaking less yeah than than the learners and and this is a tricky one and we spoke about this in um in a previous episode the four horsemen of a debrief apocalypse you know we need to be mindful that yes we have an agenda the intended learning outcomes but rigidly sticking to them uh, and kind of forcefully returning to them risks us going into tutorial mode um and then we become the center of attention Mm. rather than analyzing the, the you know the simulation that's just taken place you what you can do is you can bring people into the conversation um and again i've been in situations where there's been multiple conversations happening simultaneously a lot of it all useful information so you are you're you're kind of a conductor Mm. in that respect aren't you Mm. okay we're just going to park that for a minute i just want to hear from so and so and then we'll come back to to you on your point or blowing it open with perhaps with more more experienced practitioners or students in saying okay that's a really interesting thing that's happened has anyone experienced anything like this in practice such a lovely little segue people just come alive don't they and they just they just really want to because and and then at that point there you're like it's working yeah it's going it's that that's it there we go you know it's this is this is you know kolb you know you know in paroxysms of delight at this thought of of experiential learning taking place some kind of curated event being related to practice and so, so that's the sweet spot there and um so you meant you mentioned that's really useful when you've got more experienced people but e- you can even use that skill with with uh, very novice year one mm-hmm. people as well as if it's transferable you can mm. sort of say you know what other real world experiences have you got like yeah. that as well so yeah, yeah it's a great great tool because people love have you had an experience experiences. in your life or work where you've had to deal with conflict yeah or where you thought yeah, yeah. someone maybe wasn't able to make a good decision. And sometimes you might find that, that those individuals who've otherwise been quite quiet in in the uh, the discussion can just all of a sudden open up mm. and add these these insights, which are really, really powerful. Yeah, yeah, because maybe the simulation just took them back to that, that mm. moment and they were thinking, God, this is just like that mm. time. And then if you give them the invitation to come in and talk about it, then great. How, the- do, you, how do you address spicy stuff? Or, or, or critical. I mean, I know you love a good I discussion. Love it. I, I, when it starts to get warm in the room, uh, you, you know that you've, you, you're onto something, but you, you've got to try and keep the temperature down and, the, yeah. the, and the, you've got to keep the light. You want more, more light than heat. But I, I think sometimes a little bit of um, feeling actually is really useful for, for getting people talking. Yeah. Um, as long as it doesn't become destructive and, you know, you know, problematic, but when it when it starts to get a bit more, when there's a disagreement, and we, we ran a, some simulation for post-registration paramedic students, yeah. um, paramedic learners, um, a few months ago, and we, we, we ran some quite, quite involved simulations, quite serious kind of acute medical emergency stuff. And then at the end, we did a, a, what we thought was kind of a, a low um, 
intensity kind of decision making simulation around um, an older person that had had a uh, had a hematite had, had a head injury mm. and was taking a blood thinner, and they were refusing to go to hospital, and they were they? refusing to go to hospital, and the 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 kind of the the lead clinician in that simulation was quite strident, and they were like, no, they lack capacity, they're coming with me, uh, I'm going to take the hospital. And we, and we opened it out to the debrief and it just erupted. It really kicked <laughs> off, didn't it? And it was, at that point, we became more like referee yeah. than facilitator. Um, and that was, it was interesting because it, it, it did, it did fire people up quite a lot. But it, it, what, what happened was there was a really useful contrasting conversation around ethical dilemma yeah. in, in that situation, mm. which, uh, which is something that ChatGPT didn't do so well yeah, when, we did, right. uh, when we used AI to write simulation scenarios and, about ethical dilemmas. Yes, and, but the other thing that as well that I think is important is that we shouldn't kid ourselves that all of the learning takes place in the simulation event, the briefing, the action and the debrief. That actually, if we do something which is, is powerful and it pricks the consciousness and it is profound in some way, People are going to think about it yeah. later so, and they're going to reflect on it. So later. your role is is to sometimes be a referee, you know, to try and stop the name calling, <laughs> yeah, to allow, yeah, yeah. allow the conversation to be spicy if it needs yeah, to we be. We want a good, clean to discussion. To be academic. Yeah. yeah to, and, and that's what we're promoting. We're promoting critical analysis, aren't we? Which yeah. is, you know, two sides of an argument. Yeah. It just know. has to be done so in a... In a respectful manner not gloves off kind of no way. no 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 um there, there, there are some things to try and avoid as well right in in the analysis phase and and this comes often from having a clear idea about what you think should happen in a mm-hmm. simulation and the the phrase that um i love to use in this and it's quite kind of it's in the literature is, is guess what i'm thinking questions yeah. so when we are trying to analyze something that's happened in a simulation the, the, what the probably one of the more destructive things that we can do is to ask that closed kind of guess what i'm yeah. thinking question. i know you did something wrong yeah i want you to try and work out what it is yeah and in doing so i'm going to make you feel this big yeah and it's, it's unintentional um i think i don't think people kind of do it in no their... people people do it because they don't want to give the game away yeah but they're they're, they're asking someone with <laughs> like i don't know what you're talking yeah. about <laughs> so an example of this would be something like um after you check the pulse was there anything else that you would like to have done I'm thinking there's like, so many things that now ooh, I, think I don't about know. Um, God, what do they want me to say? If if you ask a question and you have in your mind a clear idea of what the learner should say, reframe mm. that question mm. um, uh, because you're asking a guess what I'm thinking question. Yeah, and this is this is where uh, Jenny Rudolph's advocacy with inquiry yeah. works beautifully because it it you can address critical events. But you can do so in and try to do so in a non-judgmental way. Mm. Okay, so for, uh, an example would be you know during the simulation event there is a delay in administering oxygen. We've used this as an example before. So you could say words to the effect, and so advocacy inquiry, you make a statement of fact first. Mm. So there was a delay in administering the oxygen. Yeah, you then advocate your thoughts on it. Okay, so it would be looked to me like you were struggling at the time. And then you invite the, the learner to give their insights. Mm-hmm. Then again, you're encouraging that reflective conversation. I just want to hear what was going through your mind at the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was a bit, oh, I was a bit flustered actually because mm. I wasn't expecting it to happen like that. And yeah, I know actually I probably should have put oxygen on at that stage, um, but I just forgot because of all of the other things happening. And then you're like, oh okay, so 
you know, why? Why would mm. why would this person have felt why why might you know so and so have felt flustered at this point? And then you're into a discussion. The the trouble with the guess what I'm thinking question and not using advocacy with inquiry is, um, what was it at that point that you should have put on uh, oxygen? Yes, correct. Or, or, end of, end or of conversation. Still, end of conversation. Or worse still, they're like, oh, um, uh, uh, blood pressure cuff. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. And then they just, and then you're going, no, no. No, guess again. Yeah, guess again. You're wrong again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not helpful. It's not constructive. It's not reflective. It's not dialogic. It's, it's, it's not debrief. So that, that's, that's a technique which is great for addressing those critical events that need to be unpacked and we do have to unpack those don't mm. we because if we don't if we do the whole pat on the back that was a great p- performance regardless we go into that groupy mode we do and we um, again we're just giving feedback because yeah. actually if we just if we just you know bigging them up for a job well done but it also means that if that doesn't get addressed that might then translate to a safety issue in clinical practice yeah. as well so we have to address them but i also like to use it as a technique to encourage reflective conversation when good things happen as well i, I think it's, it's, it's crucially important you know safety to thinking would say that we have to learn from the majority of things that happen and that's when things go well and understand that as a model for you know why sometimes things go wrong so as you say, using advocacy with inquiry, you know, in that kind of situation, what can you give us an example? What do you mean? So, for example, uh, let's say we're doing an advanced life support scenario where someone needs to undertake the complex role of team leadership in in, in cardiac arrest. So you could say something along the lines of uh, that the management of that arrest went really, really well. It looked like you were flourishing mm. in that role as a, as team leader. Again, I'd just like to invite you to to give us your thoughts on what was going through your mind at the time. Mm. And it and I, that phrase, I, I, I kind of like default to that phrase mm. as part of the script. What were you thinking at the time? Yeah. Because it invites the person to just go back and reflect on that performance. Yeah. You know, they're, they're now back in their shoes, but from an outside perspective looking in. Yeah, no, definitely. So I, I completely agree. I think it's, we should absolutely focus on debriefing the things that go well and, un- and understanding the why. Because that's, that's, that's the bit, mm. isn't it, that's going to translate into that safe and effective practice later. You know, what you don't want is people just to mimic what happens in, in SIM, in their practice. You want them to really understand why it went well and why that was good. Um, but yeah, uh, and, and, and involving learners in that too. So one of the things that, that I would like to do in that kind of type situation is, you know, yeah, you, that, you, you showed some, to my mind, you showed some really effective leadership in there. Yeah. Um, you looked like you felt calm and in control. Um, can tell us a bit more about, you know, how it felt. And then you can then open that out to the group. So, you know, to, to all of you who, who were watching that simulation, you know, what was it do you think about the way mm. that person X conducted this yeah. simulation that led to it feeling organised and, and well in control? Because again, I, th- I guess as a novice simulation instructor, the you, you could fall into the pitfall of just focusing on the person who yeah. was actively involved in the simulation. And of course the observer learners might have some really, really useful in- insights. Mm-hmm. It can bite you in the bum because observer learners perhaps won't n- know and understand the nuances of the techniques that you're trying to use with debriefing. And they might just come back with some brutal feedback. Yeah. Or they, they, they may, you know, yeah, just give feedback yeah. as opposed to giving, you know, debrief type kind of, invitations to speak um and 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 in those situations you might think you know that's actually a really good piece of feedback Mm. but what i would like to do is reframe that Mm -hmm. and you can just say that yeah can i just reframe that as a as a question Mm. um and try and ask that as an open question to encourage further discussion and and i think that's that's really good and and but it can 
can end up going off on a, on a huge tangent. And I think that's really important that you're making decisions all the time. Like we've gone down the rabbit hole here. How far should we go? <laughs> uh, and then how are you going to get back up again? Yeah. Because you, you're going to need to return it to, you know, the intended learning outcomes at some point. So how do you manage that when you're down the rabbit hole, you're having a great discussion, but your time is ticking on. I think you get this little internal monologue of of going okay this is either going completely off on a tangent or i'm running out of time mm. and it's that kind of you i think you start as a, a simulation instructor you start to go okay i'm gonna have to interject a, a bit and it, again it's just using that that clinical that that, that judgment of mm. uh, of how the conversation's flowing to just go okay just gonna stop there yeah we need to move on yeah you know we're you know blaming time is great yeah. We're, we're conscious of time here. Um, the the discussion is obviously important. We yeah. might be able to carry it on in another forum, uh, but acknowledging the usefulness of it yeah. and then redirecting, like you say, back to the intended learning outcomes. And a great way to do that is then moving to the next phase, which is the growth section mm -hmm. or the summary events and then yeah. and then closing the debrief. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And and all good simulation debriefs should go from that analysis phase into the so, you know, like in Borton's model, the now what, mm. or in, you know, in, in Kolb's experiential learning cycle, active experimentation, mm. you know, so what I tend to do to sort of get to that point is I'll, is I'll, is I'll say something like, um, would anyone like to kind of suggest how what we've learned in this simulation is going to influence their practice in clinical yeah. practice? Yeah. Great. Um, or I'll say, you know, towards the end of that, you know, I'll say, you know, what, you know, is your personal in you know outcome from this simulation? What are you going to take away from this? How is it going to shape your practice moving yeah. forward? Yeah. And I, and I think that's really important for cementing, to, to sort of, you know, to cementing it as a learning experience, to kind of bookending it and saying, yeah, okay, um, that's what you're taking away. You know, mm -hmm. how does that relate to the intended learning outcomes? It might be, it might not relate to the intended learning outcomes that closely. Yeah, it, and and it might be um, it might be in the in the deep in the analysis phase. You've actually discussed a lot, so you might need to do a little bit of summary. Yeah. So it, you know, we've talked about X, Y, and Z, mm. all important topics. Uh, we've also talked a little bit about this as well, which was quite unique to this experience. And like you say, then just going I, again. I like to go around the room, mm -hmm. uh, even if it's uh, what he said. Yeah, by the because that inevitably happens by the time you get to sort of person five or six. Yeah, but again, it gives everyone an opportunity to contribute. Yeah, and also before we kind of bring the the simulation event to a close, that final opportunity, you know, perhaps around that sort of time, we're doing the summary just to, just to make sure that no one's got any kind of residual kind of questions or concerns. Mm. You know, so you know, just any any kind of final any final thoughts, any any remaining questions. Yeah. No. Okay. So then back to the learn learning outcomes, back to the learning outcomes and then, and then close. thank you very much, everybody. We're bringing us the debrief to a close here. Cheers. Yeah. And stop. And then that's it. And then that's your, your simulation debrief complete. Pretty much. And then depending on what you're doing, it might be onto the next scenario or then just bringing the session to a close Yeah. in its entirety. Talking of bringing the session to a close in its entirety. Feels uh, like we've come to a natural conclusion. It does feel time, indeed. So we've, we've, um, we probably better revisit the learning outcomes. Um, yeah. if, if you were, uh, we'll just go back and just revisit those very briefly. And they are that hopefully by now you are able to outline the basic structure and function of a debrief. 
um, to differentiate between debrief and feedback and probably understand a little bit about, you know, which is, you know, useful in which situation and also to discuss debriefing techniques. Thanks very much for joining us and we look forward to seeing you in the next one. But before we go, Oh yeah, we have got a little Easter egg. <laughs> Even I, I said that, didn't I? <laughs> I forgot We've got that. a little Easter egg, and that is that we. Firstly, we appreciate everyone who has uh, listened to the duration of uh, of these six videos in our simulation instructors course. We would love uh, to get your comments mm. um, and uh, any kind of feedback that you have for us or debrief you have for us about these. Um, this course would be would be greatly appreciated. If you are interested in coming and undertaking our one day in-person simulation instructors course at UEA Norwich, then we would like to offer the first three people who give us a comment below and express an interest in undertaking this course, we would like to offer you a free place on one of our upcoming simulation instructor courses. Um, and get you on the podcast afterwards and have a bit of a chat about how that was an experience. So um, so thank you again for listening. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the series and we'll be back with you soon for more simulation-related higher education content. Thanks, Lawrence. Now. Thanks, Lawrence. Thanks, everyone. See you in the next one. This time, for sure. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>